Chemrats, hive mice, and some ghoulies, welcome to another thrilling edition of the Unexplained, Mysterious, and Extraordinary, keeping you up way past fourth shift. Since if you're awake, you can't hear what goes bump in the night. We are 665.66UHMR Chemrat Radio. And don't worry, your little hive humpies, if it does go bump, it's probably just a forearmed emperor. Come to you live tonight from Frank's Rucka Truck. Get your hands on all-you-can-eat buffet of rat meat chimichangas, still rated 5 out of 5 toilets, since that's about how many you'll need once you're done. I am your compass through the cosmic twilight of the unknown Goblin King, joined by my co-host Marky, always ready to unravel the enigmas that lie just beyond. What it is, host? The polar bear of the Frost Hollow himself, Shuckerfly, ready to scare reality back into shape if it gets too far out of line. Boo. And the forerunner of infinite knowledge, or maybe just infinite guesswork, it's Kev. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes it's a little bit of both. I tell you what. <laughs> I love that accent. I tell you <laughs> what. <laughs> Oh, God. That was that was one of the first ones I taught myself was the super redneck. Super Southern. Super, super South. I fucking love it. <laughs> well, I wish I had a, what do you call it? Like the, the dudes that live in, uh, not not Swamp, the Louisiana one, the uh, Gambit. Oh, um, um, Creole. Bayou, Creole. Yeah. yeah. That's an accent I wish that, I, I knew how to that's do. That's one I haven't quite gotten. I tried to teach myself. Then. I should. I got to watch I more I tried X-Men. to learn... I, it, for me, it was I tried to use um, what was it? It's the the HBO one with all the vampires, True Blood. Yeah, oh, True, True Blood. Blood. True Blood. That does takes it. place down there, and it's it's very Justified. much. Yeah, it's it's so close to Southern that I end up slipping to my Southern instead. Yeah, and it's it's hard to hold that one for me, and I can't even really nail it. I think it's either the third or the fourth episode of Justified, but or season one of the seasons of Justified. He has to go down to Florida to deal with the family. And then since he goes down to Florida to deal with the family, the family moves up to Kentucky and starts screwing around in his backyard. And it <laughs> becomes, so there's a lot of Creole in that, ep- in that season. Yeah. The, All I know is you Bayou got you accent. You got onions and shrimp. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. The, the down one that got in that was... bayou down <laughs> in the water. <laughs> oh, isn't that kind of like a uh, Forrest Gump too? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Same area. Yeah. 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 yeah or, or Ricky Bobby. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Ricky Bobby. That's right. With the Ricky big, big alligator. A little more. He's a little more like Georgia. I th- I thought. Yeah. It's it's that oh, like yeah. Florida Florida twang to it. But yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a little more what? deep south. A little less uh, French. Because that's what makes the like Bayou accent different. That's yeah, Creole. The f- that's what makes it Creole is the French influence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But X Men is what kind of like. I was like, oh, that's a cool accent. Like, Gambit, I always forgot Gambit's he had dope. that. And, and Rogue, oh, no, me. you know, throwback to uh, something that gave me the tinglys when I was a, when I was a, co- a child. Mm, Rogue, that the hair, way they drew that, Rogue back in that, that southern style. Yeah, oh, dude, something about Rogue is just like, man. This should she calling you sugar. Oh, sugar. Oh, oh sugar. my God. Sugar. Oh, you just come on <laughs> over here, sugar. My God. Speaking my of come that. wherever you want me. Speaking of that hairstyle. <laughs> Hello, fucking Cruella over here. Mm, <laughs> hot for three six or nine dollars, you can see what we're talking about. Join our Patreon today. This is this is a ten out of ten on the crazy hot scale. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
You can tell just by that sword, dude. Look at that sword. Oh, yeah. You know she's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it might be worth it, but you're definitely losing your junk after. It's like a... What do you call it? A praying mantis? Praying mantis or a black widow? It's a head of the the black widow. Welcome to Laura's Obscurus episode 14, Ghosts of the Pacific Northwest. Today we will peel back the folklore and paranormal experiences of Oregon and Washington State. While our podcast's main focus is on Warhammer and Warhammer 40k lore, we're captivated by the real-world mysteries of the paranormal and supernatural. Tales we can explore and use as inspiration for crafting our own stories that enhance our shared corner of the Warhammer 40k fictional universe. We also have our own tales to share, experiences that left us questioning the boundaries of reality. But we're not alone. Our Patreon community has graciously shared their stories, adding the tapestry of strange encounters that shape our world. But first, we have another Ordo Obscures file, written by Ryan himself, which unveils more of the hidden truths lurking within the shadows of our corner of the Warhammer 40k universe, the Carcosan Sector. Retrieving. Retrieving Ordo Obscurus file AA0001 Box Cogitator Net Access Order Obscurus Inquisitorial Archive Segmentum Obscurus Atlas Subsector Classification Vermilion File Number Omala Cossack AA0001 Ordo Xenos Vako Alexandrov Object Class Heracticus Non Euclid Disruption Class Intermediate Risk Inquisitorial Containment Procedures AA0001, known as the Black Lodge, was discovered on the planet of Incubus 3 in the Atlas subsector in 688.m37. AA-001 proved to be impossible to destroy or move, resulting in an edict of the Inquisition to establish the Ordo Obscurus, which was founded to specifically deal with this singular phenomenon. AA-0001 is a 460-meter square plot of cultivated grassland, within which the Black Lodge sits at the very center. This made initial containment procedures problematic, as Incubus 3 was too strategic of a world for a full quarantine or exterminatus action. An exclusion zone with the radius of 16,187 meters was established, which was then encased by a 15-meter-tall ferrocrete rampart. Initially, this area was monitored by a small staff and inquisitorial agents and interrogators, pulled from all of the Ordos. Continued planetary development and the expansion of the Ordos Obscurus's duties, however, resulted in the foundation of the Ordos First Chamber Militant. The 266th Ikean Regiment was requisitioned and reformed into the Ordos's First Regiment of Stormtroopers, Mobile Task Force Obscurus, known hereafter as the Shadowbreakers. With this expansion, the rank of High Savant was also established and a permanent inquisitorial asset was assigned to the Ordo Obscurus. The ramparts and facility around the exclusion zone continue to expand, becoming the Inquisitorial Palace of Incubus III. AA-0001 is now contained in a void-shielded adamantine-walled box, measuring 4,200 meters long and 4,200 meters wide. The box extends 20 meters up to its ceiling and another 20 meters into the ground. 
Regardless of being cut off from the air, direct sunlight, and fresh water, the original 460 square meters of AA0001 are still lush grasslands. The room's exterior is a 70 meter buffer, which is made into a complex series of containment and monitoring stations, observation labs, and equipment all specific to the Black Lodge at its center. No other artifacts are to be stored, transported through, or used within AA-0001's containment box without the High Savant's explicit authorization. Two void-rated Dreadnought-class blast doors permit entrance into AA-0001's containment facility. These doors are guarded by Shadow Breakers, accompanied by Agro Razor Mastiffs at all times. A further detachment of Shadow Breakers and Agro Razor Mastiffs patrol the inner perimeter of the containment box. No less than 10 personnel must patrol AA-0001 containment box at any given time. No more than 100 personnel, excluding Shadow Breakers, can be within the containment box for any purpose. Agro Razor Mastiffs are bound to their handlers via neural link. If a handler dies or the bond is broken, a Mastiff will default to the next Shadow Breaker handler who is within range. This range is 3,000 meters. AA-0001's containment box, however, disrupts neural link communication. If no single handler is left alive within the containment box, Mastiff's extermination protocols become active. The High Savant's neural link will always override any Mastiff protocols. Access is restricted to Vermilion level Rosette or higher Inquisitors. Interrogators and other personnel require the explicit authorization of the High Savant and a Shadow Breaker escort. Description Brief AA-0001 is a three-meter square log cabin, which sits at the exact center of a 4,060-square-meter plot of land. The exterior of the cabin is covered in a psychoactive black tar-like substance, which induces intense psychotropic symptoms to those who come into contact with it. When under observation, a door manifests in the center of the face of AA-0001 that is currently being viewed. This is true even if the cabin is viewed from more than one angle simultaneously. Even after full containment in an adamantine box, the grounds around the cabin have remained lush and fertile. While a day-night cycle, which matches that of the planet itself, also continues to affect AA-0001, despite any technological modification or restrictions, the cabin at the center of AA-0001 is referred to as the Black Lodge. Inside the lodge, a much larger space has been observed and documented. This space is approximately 8 meters wide by 6 meters deep, featuring a dark hardwood floor with a finely woven carpet measuring 6 meters by 4 meters positioned at its center. Four worn leather chairs are positioned at each of the carpet's corners, diagonally facing the room center. The carpet, which is intricately crafted, bears Xeno symbols and, and patterns confirming its Xenos origin. An exterior door opened leads to the same interior wall, even if more than one is open at a time. If more than one operative enters from multiple doors at any time, they all still arrive at the same place, bumping into one another. The door opens roughly in the center of the one 8-meter length of wall, with the fireplace dominating the space directly across from it. This fireplace provides warmth and illumination. The lodge's interior exists at a perfectly neutral temperature at all times. Bookcases line the rest of the available space of each wall, constructed of a dark hard wood with brass fittings. These are filled with an assortment of arcane tombs, antique technical manuals, powerful grimoires, and even classical literature. 
While all these books are legible and high gothic and are not all human of origin, depressed among the bookshelves are several skulls of those human, demonic, xenos, and bestial origins. Some can be traced back to an origin species, but many defy cataloging by even the most senior of Magos biologists. To date, a full catalog of the bookshelf's contents have been impossible. As the lodge randomizes their contents at any time, a shelf is directly observed. Four paintings have been observed upon the walls. The Ghost Pursuit by Ethan Hartley, AA0001-A, Whispering Shadows by Evangeline Harlow, AA0001-B, Lost Oasis by Isabella Carvova, AA0001-C, and Wings of Sacrifice by Aurelia Seraphin, AA0001-D. Each upon close examination are not of the original paintings known in the imperial records, but are made up of tiny detailed elements of the macrobe. Such tiny flayed bodies making up the reds, tiny bones of the whites, screaming faces of the blacks, and so on. Aspects and Vox records from inside the lodge are unreliable, and servo skulls, servitors, cogitators fail within seconds of entering the interior space. Those inside the Black Lodge are immediately filled with an undeniable urge to study its contents. While relaxing within one of its chairs, a constant, soothing background static noise permeates the air and encourages a meditative state. However, those that stay within the Lodge for more than a few minutes begin to suffer a psychoactive and psychotropic symptoms. Unless propped open, the Black Lodge's door will close on its own. Those inside suffer a wide range of physical, psychoactive and psychological changes and defects inquisitorial notes slash transcript of events to date no fewer than 800 ordo personnel penal class operatives and shadow breakers have entered the room and been subsequently lost inside only on four occasions has the subject been able to open the door from the inside and return penal class operative subject z2 was lost inside aa0001 for 21 days she emerged naked, showing signs of extreme physical mutation. Her skin had erupted with overlapping sections of an organic armor plating, much like bone. In each hand, she clutched melee weapons that appeared to be sculpted directly from adhuman bones, and wept a constant coat of some visceral matter. Subject Z2 was extremely enraged and aggressive, immediately attacking Ordo observation personnel and their Shadowbreaker security forces. She was terminated only when her killing spree triggered an agro-razor mastiff's extermination protocol. This event resulted in 67 fatalities. Autopsy findings revealed severe mutation across all terrestrial organs, along with the addition of a second heart and a second set of lungs, indicating profound physiological alterations had occurred. Interrogator subject A86 and his assistant, Ordo personnel subject O87, managed to force the door open after only a few seconds. Subjects were immediately separated and isolated by the high savant's orders. Subject A86 exhibited self-destructive behavior during his debriefing, first scratching the skin of his arms raw before tearing out his own eyes with the use of a picked stylus. Subject A86 was then detained in an isolation ward for further observation, where he proceeded to gnaw off his own tongue and drown choking on his own blood. Subject O87 calmly dictated the events of Subject A86's actions at a measured 15-second delay, up until Subject A86's death. This took place over the course of three days, while Subject O87 was kept in an interrogation module separated. 
Subject O87 never paused, drank water, or accepted food during this time, and upon Subject A86's violent death, simply stopped talking. Subject O87 survived in isolation without eating or drinking for 18 solar months before he was executed by firing squad. Rumors persist that Subject O87 has been observed continuing their duties in AA0001's containment box, but disappeared if approached or spoken to. Subject A-103 spent 211 days locked in the Black Lodge, before calmly exiting when the door opened on its own. Subject A-103, hereby identified as interrogator, Redacted. spent 24 months under observation and isolation, undergoing 1,034 interviews by senior inquisitors and the High Savant. Interrogator, Redacted. subsequently cleared for duty and promoted to the rank of Inquisitor by merit of his observations and records of AA-0001 in 345.965.m40, his investigations into the anomaly designated BS-0231 took him deep into the Troxin system. His last report came on 988.004.m41, when he recorded that his rosette was on special condition. Current Ordo Records Mark Inquisitor Redacted with Rogue status. Special Addendum High Savant Investigation Notation. The mutations and violent behavior exhibited by Subject Z2 highlight the insidious influence of the Black Lodge. The drastic psychological changes, including the additional heart and lungs, underscore the Lodge's ability to reshape the human form. Further study and analysis required to understand the mechanism behind these transformations and potential ramifications for future encounters is required. Furthermore, Subject A86's connection with Subject O87 and subsequent self-inflicted mutilation raises concerns about the psychic and psychological impact of exposure to the Lodge. While these mark severe cases, AA0001 has the effect on any who enter it, the least of which is a lust for the secret texts and what they may contain. Notably, none of the knowledge seen within seems to be able to be recorded or copied, except by the most archaic of methods. Dictation to a manual scribe sat outside the lodge. While knowledge attained this way has proven invaluable in rare cases, most of it is too archaic, obscure, or occult in nature to be readily usable. However, some of the texts hint at the existence of SDC data within the lodge's collection, making AA0001 at the same time extremely valuable and potential while remaining extremely worthless, if not adversely costly to the Ordo's existence. In conclusion, the Black Lodge's influence is evident its severe mutation, physical alteration, psychological and behavioral consequences associated with those who observe and work with it. While not all are as extreme as the cases that we have listed, several more can be found in the further addendums below. Efforts to understand and contain the Black Lodge's anomalous properties remain a priority for the Inquisition. It is essential to gather additional data on the Lodge's influence, study its effects on the human form and psyche, and devise strategies for mitigating its threats. A specialist division of Mobile Task Force Obscurus, also known as the Shadow Breakers, is to be drafted from among the more senior operatives. They are to be tasked with the vigilant monitoring and hunting down of individuals who have encountered the Lodge, as their experiences may have lingering effects that can pose risk to the Imperium at large. End log. Cogitatornet 377.992.m41 Inquisitorial Archive Segmentum Obscurus Atlas Subsector Vox Cogitatornet Access Terminated
Well, that was giving me the willies. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope, Ryan. I That's like that. Creepy. It was Thank almost you. like a, a chaos infected STC that like transformed into this house this house that, that's what i that's what i kind of picked up towards the end I, I like that that's really sick i like that too that's not really what i, I was just going for creepy but i like that interpretation <laughs> yeah that, that's just kind of what i was what yeah, i was like yeah. oh kind of because you know obviously when you read things you kind of uh interpret yeah. them or kind of uh have your own what do you call it like mind Vis- lore visualization yeah your own visual visualization of it um uh, your head, head canon i guess you would say right like my head, my head canon of it is like, oh, it's like a, a lost STC that was infected by chaos, and pro- possibly like you know an uh, old library research STC. library, yeah, that was attached to it, and now it's uh now it's all malformed and chaosy and nobody and, knows how to use it. Yeah, I like that. And they can't destroy it and they can't destroy the entire planet, so they just have to build a palace around it. Right. I like the I like the whole uh how it was walled off essentially like this huge ass like metal box essentially that just yeah, build build the box around the shit you can't move so <laughs> yeah. that you can protect it. Makes yeah. sense though. And then shoot anybody that comes near it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Use my proper tie. I originally like, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's almost like a dark forest kind of feel, right? So like yeah. you have like the witch or like the Hansel and Gretel. It's that creepy cabin you walk into and find in a forest and you're like there's yeah. no roads or anything here. How did this get here? You're just like why yeah, the, f- fuck, why the fuck does this just exist? Exactly. Like we just showed up with the expedition fleet. There's no humans here. Why is yeah. this here? It's an yeah. STC that was uh chaos corrupted into black tar heroin. Why <laughs> 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 sleep? And Incubus 3 was obviously named after Incubog Crane. I like that. So that there's the link there. And then um, the Ikean, I was trying to figure out what Incubi, Incub, Incubus would shorten to, and I came to the Ikean regiments, and I was like, ah, okay, I like it. It's, it's all right. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Sometimes they get assembled wrong. <laughs> every once in a while the guardsman is missing a couple of pegs or maybe a hex bolt or two yeah yeah but you know you just call them up and they'll ship you out that missing piece they'll just ship you out that missing piece not Uh, not to sidetrack but goddamn ikea furniture dude Uh, (laughs) two beds i so one this one time i my uh my mom first horror story of the night yeah right my mom (laughs) bought two ikea beds and it took me an entire sunday to put both of them together Oh, yeah. It was like, my God. I had a friend move into a new apartment at one point, and she like got overwhelmed with building all the furniture. And um, I made a meme for, I, I could try to find it. It's lost somewhere in the archives of Facebook. But it was the, it was the picture of Liam Neeson talking to his daughter on the phone in Taken. But I had changed the text, so it said, life has given me a particular set of skills. I will come to your house. I will find your furniture and I will build it. <laughs> you, even That's a good Ikea. one. <laughs> and it's like, you can't use power tools on it. Yeah. You can. Master. 
because yeah, then can. it breaks. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, burst, no. You just have to have trigger other discipline other with that screw gun. <laughs> trigger discipline. Trigger discipline. Come on, Kevin. Uh, it's Do you not have a variable speed trigger on your power drill? You can't. You can't just scream suppressing fire and hold it down. What? Yes, that, <laughs> that's how that happens. It's no, like, hey, you, know, you just you... you put it on one because it's got a variable power setting like any fucking modern drill does. You put it on one and you just pull the trigger halfway in instead of all the way in and it just goes real slow. Nah, and it's dude. just it's fantastic. It's like it's like, <laughs> it's like uh what is it Drogo from Rocky? If he dies, he dies and then you pull the trigger, you let it run. That's right. Until it's tight. <laughs> it's it, it's 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 is that Rocky two or three? Me and the wife had this argument the other day. Uh, you are you are asking the right age range, but Damn, I don't remember. I, f- I feel like it's Rocky two. I feel this like is that, a, that this was... is a forty k podcast, sir, yeah. not a eighties movie. <laughs> please, please take your your random banter somewhere else. So originally, I made them aggro flail mastiffs, and then I decided that I liked the idea of instead of being like flail, like cyber flailed, they were cyber razored. So they're just I like covered like in razor blades. Can't uh, touch them. That sounds painful as fuck. <laughs> it'd be now, and of course, because it's you know the thing that happens when you write fiction and you develop stuff. I was totally thinking of like, how do I get my hands on the um, the arbiter side of the of the kill team box. I can't remember what they're called. You, you just told me like yesterday too. the execute, not the executioner, the exaction squad extraction. Uh, no, they're not. They're like exotation or something. It's, talking it's about some that fancy. Team? Yeah. It's some fancier way of saying extraction. Uh, damn it. What is it? The but basically the, squad or something. Yeah. But basically the Arbides squad and then getting a couple of extra mastiffs and then painting them up like shadow breakers. That would be dope. It reminds these, me of, uh, Oh, what the hell was it? Uh, Zoids. <laughs> Some of those mastiffs are like Liger zero. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 100%. Like they just rampage and rip you apart. Yeah. And, uh, Kevin, Not what you should subductor. do is, is you should find that squad and you should at, you should paint them up and whatever the shadow breaker colors are and you should throw them into your rogue trader army. The exaction squad. That'd be cool. But they're following the rogue trader around for some reason. Every once in a while, the rogue trader finds finds an artifact and she like highly prizes it and places it in her personal library and uh, museum. And then like six weeks later, it's just gone. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> she gets everybody together to yell at them, and the shadow breakers just don't like their face doesn't change. Like they don't show any emotion. Dude, I need like a soundboard. I don't know of, what you're talking about. It, was, it wasn't us. I need a soundboard of Judge Dread, dude. <laughs> I am the. I watched something earlier that was uh, it was a comedian, and they were doing like when Hollywood runs out of ideas and keeps making the same movie, and it was they were making fun of Fast and the Furious. 29 or whatever the heck's coming oh, out now fucking ridiculous and like there's a helicopter getting away and the bad guy's like ha 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 you can't get me toretto you can't divide define gra- uh, defy, defy gravity, gravity. <laughs> and then it goes back to like the the guy dressed up as dominic dominic toretto in the car and he goes all i need is nos infinity. <laughs> <laughs> and then the car like jumps up and hits the helicopter and then like the next time it's like we're inside this fortified building all i need is a crash garden <laughs> and then it's like seven cars crashing Pretty through much. a building <laughs> dude it's like uh it's almost like uh what was it speed racer good. 
pushes the button. Yeah. It's like wings shift out the side <laughs> of his challenger. Right? It's all over. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty much mask now. The yeah. old cartoon mask pushes a button. Fucking dynamite shows up on the front oh of his my charger. God. Jesus, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh man, speed racer. Speed, good old speed racer. Well, continuing with the theme that we've done for the last couple of Loris Obscurises, we are looking at the ghosts of the Pacific Northwest. Originally, we kind of tried to focus in a lot on the forests of the Pacific Northwest, but there's just kind of a lot of little cool stuff that we wanted to touch on and bring up. Some of these are going to be ghost sightings. Some of these are going to be paranormal sightings. There's a lot of crossover when it comes to the Pacific Northwest. So I just read the first sentence and I'm already like, fuck this. <laughs> And like, obviously, yeah. all of these we could get super deep into, but um, we just we're giving you guys a sampling of the folklore that exists. Again, it kind of just puts all of those little little kernels and mines out there. And I know, Chuck, you got a story, I think, of like a cult or something up in the area, right? You want to talk about? Oh, so. yeah, something that I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, something one of my kids showed me and I was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> so we'll definitely dig into some spooky dookies. First up, we have the Bandaged Man of Cannon Beach, which is located in Oregon. Cannon Beach is said to be haunted by the spirit of a man who was severely injured in a car accident. According to the legend, the man was wrapped in bandages, and his ghost now appears to unsuspecting motorists and hikers in the area. Witnesses have reported seeing a figure wrapped in bandages or experiencing feelings of unease and being watched. For those of you who don't know, Cannon Beach is the beach that is featured in The Goonies. Ah, I wonder wonder if any of them had sightings during the filming. Yeah, I heard some, like, allegory allegorical stories about some of the weird stuff that happened on set. My, my wife actually knows a lot about the Goonies and the area and Cannon Beach and a bunch of stuff. So I might, might have to at some point dig, dig out some of those ghost stories and see if she has any like little kernels that I can track down and bring up in a future Loris Obscurus. So next up, we have the Lady of Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens, known for its volcanic eruption in the 1980s, has had its share of ghostly stories. One legend tells of a lady in white who haunts the vicinity of Spirit Lake. It is said that she was a pioneer woman who perished during an eruption and now appears to warn visitors of impending danger. Some hikers and climbers claim to have seen her apparition or heard her warnings. There's also some stories around her being sighted a lot right before the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Dude, miss me with that shit. I don't need no, I don't need no warning lady. Move along. Move along. You don't want to know if the volcano is going to erupt and you're in the way. Miss miss me with that shit. I don't need no apparition telling me that. I can see the volcano. I can hear the. I can hear the earthquakes or feel them. It's. Uh, I'm good. Not, not <laughs> hey man, even if she's reaching out to give I'm you a I'm sure pat. that's what Pompeii thought. They that's didn't have true. a word for volcano, but they probably were like, "Man, this mountain has been here. It's sitting still. It's probably safe, right? You know. And if it starts acting up, we can just run away." So, are all mountains volcanoes? No, no, no. Mountains are formed by a couple of different processes that. Basically, the tectonic plates meeting each other. It's a, but, it's a car accident between rocks, essentially. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that, in that's, certain, that's the dumbest version of it. <laughs> and they're certain, like skin tags and volcanoes are more like pimples. Yes. yes. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a very good analogy. I'm yeah. impressed. 
Yeah, you know, I get I get one every now and then. I know, right? You, you're gonna roll a six eventually. <laughs> mountains are formed. Mountains are formed when a plate goes over another plate, or two plates hit each other. And a volcano is formed when a plate scrapes out from underneath another plate, and essentially like creates pockets of magma. That it's a super simplistic. It oozes out and hot stuff liquid like that. magma. Magma. Molten hot magma. But. That's not the only type. There are plenty of areas on our planet that are, in fact, volcanoes that don't look like mountains. And there are plenty of things that look like volcanoes that aren't volcanoes. So, so they didn't it's a little think more Pompeii complicated. was a mountain. They thought it was, or they didn't the, know Pomp- the, Pompeii was. Uh, yeah, Pompeii is so old that they didn't actually know about volcanoes yet. Oh. And so there was no word in their language even for volcano until it happened. So somebody had to be the first. <laughs> somebody had to be the somebody first people to be to close be enough. Like you had to be close enough to see enough that you also got wrecked. And the problem was is because tribes are very small that there probably were people, you know, cavemen or whatever Neanderthals that got wrecked by volcanoes before that, but it wrecked them and everybody they knew. You know, yeah, the, the story didn't travel. So there had to be enough people to witness it to then spread it for it to even become knowledge that it could happen. And there, you, there's, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say if you guys have seen Dante's Peak. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched that, that when movie. I was when I was like 12 years old. Same. I was in. It, uh, I was like fifth grade. I was like, oh dear God. <laughs> It was that, gra- that grandma. Dude. <laughs> I know, right? I know. She's like, I didn't ever want since to get then, in the hot springs because yeah, of that. <laughs> exactly. Ever since then, dude, I was like, I, I never want to be near a volcano ever. Have Dante's... you seen Dante's Peak, uh, Chuck? No, dude. Yeah. What? Wait, wait, Chuck. What? Did you did you see Chuck? Please volcano? go watch Dante's Peak. It's great. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have a I have a serious question, Chuck. Did you see volcano with the L and the L- A capitalized because it was a volcano in L.A.? Oh my god! Yeah, uh, um, no. was that the one with Pierce Brosnan in it or whatever? No, uh, Dante's Peak is the one with Pierce, but they Dante's came out like Peak at the same Pierce time. Brosnan, yeah, okay. For some vol- reason, I thought volcano Pierce Brosnan was in Volcano uh, L.A. Also, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee. Yeah. Okay, that's what it well, is. Well, it's because they came out within like a back couple of back. weeks of each other. Yeah, yeah, it was the duality, the Hollywood duality. I Never actually yeah. saw a little YouTube thing that apparently Never that's like an actual confirmed yeah. thing, and that's been going on forever. Yeah, it so, happens every couple of the, seasons. The, two the movies only, that like, are the same. Part come I've out. really seen of it. It's is almost like, every year. These the, days, the volcano one. Tommy Lee is like, oh man. We have to stop the magma flow. Put stuff in the way. It'll divert it. Yeah, well, yeah, let's put a bunch a of aluminum yeah. subway cars in the way. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't a river, buddy. Because <laughs> no. that shit ain't going to melt. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, that's the, the fire, first. Fire the, engines block the, oh, magma. The, the fire engine spraying water at it was a half decent idea. I mean, no. Because if you can cool <laughs> it off, well, you cool it off until it builds a solid wall. And it has to overflow Let's itself, see. and if you can cool You're it off 12? there, eventually you can kind of create. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely yeah, I was, love Chuck. I was busy doing Let's other see. Things when, no, watch that movie. <laughs> I was busy doing other. It's a, things. It's a classic, that, Chuck. How that's dare his, you? That's his. That's his. Like classic. Get out of jail free now. I was it busy is. doing other things. <laughs> He's like, I was busy. I don't know, getting married a- and having adulting. a family. Yeah. No, yeah. not yet. I was not doing other adult things. All right. So next up, we have the Ghost Lights of Estacada. Estacada? I'm done. I'm going with that. Estacada. Sounds Estacada. like a fancy burrito. I, I, is that that word? I don't en- know. Enchilada. 
Gelada? Estacada. It's got to be Estacada. I guarantee so, you it's not because I'm putting the Southern California pronunciation on what obviously looks like a Hispanic word, but it's in Oregon, so it's probably like a native word, and it probably like, can it pronounce like completely different. All right. The Ghost Lights of Estacada. Estacada, a town in Oregon, is said to be haunted by ghost lights. These mysterious lights are reported to appear in the forests surrounding the area, floating or dancing through the trees. Witnesses have described them as glowing orbs or lantern-like objects that move without any apparent source. The origin of these lights remains a mystery, and they continue to intrigue locals and paranormal enthusiasts. So both the last two stories, uh, The Lady of Mount St. Helens and The Ghost Lights, these are both very, very prominent, kind of exist everywhere ghost stories. The Lady in White... yeah. We had an entire episode on ladies in white. Ladies in white are kind of every town has one. Um, orbs, ghost lights, specs in photography, all that says spectral photography, all that stuff is very, very common. Uh, Will of the, you know, from a Dun- Dungeons and Dragons perspective, the monster Will of the Wisp, or just from a fantasy perspective, the monster Will of the Wisp is the same sort of thing. Ghost lights. Even in Warhammer, Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, and Warhammer, the Old World, there are ghost lights. Um, the they in Age of Sigmar, they're called the guy, not the guy, the Harrow Harrow Geist. Why can I not remember the faction's name? I know what you're talking about. They're the ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> the, the ghosty people. The night haunts. Night the night haunts. haunts. Thank you. Uh, the night haunt faction in lore talks a lot about. The night, the night haunts manifest as ghost lights, and they kind of entice people into the forest, and then they murder them. Ghost lights are oh, pretty fuck. big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's how they add you. That's how they add you to their growing army, and they don't murder you by like. Well, they can murder you by killing you, but a lot of times they just make you feel incredibly remorseful and sorrowful, like depressed, and then you kill yourself, and then you join them. Damn, that's dark. Ooh, okay, man, that's I thought yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Because that's the whole thing where, like, they try to lead you out of, like, danger or the forest. That's the it problem depends. is sometimes there's good ones and sometimes there's bad ones, just like fairies. Well, fairies are mostly bad unless you go Disney. <laughs> fairies? Yeah, pixies? pixies? In, oh, fairies. I, I thought he said berries. As I was like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of them will make you sick and you'll die. <laughs> oh, now dude. I got you. Some of them will make you hallucinate. Some of them are good for you. <laughs> Yeah, Tom had a gnarly badger, uh, badger, 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 mushroom, white mushroom. <laughs> what was yeah, he it? did. Uh, I think uh, it was his brother or his cousin, yeah, his or brother like and that. the gal on the beach. Yeah, the one in Mexico. That was yeah. that's yeah, our that was a Loris Obscurus episode. I think that's our second or third Loris Obscurus episode. Yeah, that one. You guys want to uh, head on back and check that out? Yeah, a the good white story. lady on the beach. I was like, mm, yeah, fuck that. Ain't going to Mexico anymore. <laughs> Marky's not going to Mexico. He's not going anywhere near volcanoes. That's right. I'm I'm happy right here in my little home. <laughs> Next up, we have the headless horseman of Sunqualamai Valley. Being from Washington, I should know that word. The headless horseman of Sunqualamai Valley in the forest around Sunqualamai Valley, Washington. There have been tales of a headless horseman haunting the area. The legend tells of a horseman who was decapitated during a logging accident and now roams the forest in search of his lost head. Sightings of a headless figure riding a horse have been reported, adding an eerie element to the region's folklore. Headless horsemen are another big thing, and there's two reasons 
But yeah, there's two primary reasons why head, headless horsemen kind of come up again and again and again. The first one is it was pretty horrifying and pretty regular or not regular, but like it wasn't uncommon for soldiers to lose their heads in combat, whether it was from like a sword blow or a lucky cannon shot or something else. And then the second reason that headless figures and headless horsemen are relatively common is because when bandits or pirates or anybody was gibbeted, they would attach you or like tie you to a stake inside the gibbet. So when your legs and arms gave out and you couldn't hold yourself up anymore, you would like hang on this thing. And then the next part that happens is when you die, your head separates from your body and your body would just kind of like slump to the ground and the head would fall out of the gibbet and get lost. So a lot of times when they took these bodies down to bury them of these like, you know, highwaymen and raiders and stuff, their heads couldn't be found anymore. Oh, goody. Yeah. yeah. Sleepy Hollow was a very gnarly oh, yeah. uh, visual of oh, yeah. headless headlessness. That was one of, in my opinion, Tim Burton's better. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you like just the? Uh, I've like actually the, always been a huge fan of the old cartoon. I love. Yeah, the I was old gonna say cartoon. you don't like the cartoon, Ichabod. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, Ichabod Crane. But the practical effects and the, the Sleepy Hollow movie effects were, just, were so good. Yeah, like they they gave you that yeah, feeling good, of oh. Fuck, and honestly, until I learned that that was Tim Burton. I didn't know that it was specifically Tim Burton because it didn't just scream. Um, same, it didn't scream Nightmare Before Christmas, like everything from Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas and on. Oh, dude, that's right. The Headless Horseman was, uh, I'll stab you in the face with the soldering iron guy. Yeah. Uh, Angelina Jolie's dad, right? No. No? Christopher Walken. Christopher, yeah, Walken. Christopher Walken. Who's Angelina Jolie's dad? I always thought. No, that's um, I can't think. He, can't he's think he's an actor movies. though, yeah, right? Yeah, I can't think of the movies he's been in, but yeah. Is it a similar guy? Similar looking, yeah. Christopher Walken, Joe Dirt, right? Stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Yeah, Christopher Walken uh, is the guy who says, "I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron." Yes. Okay. Oh, dude, you haven't. You, oh, you guys have all seen Joe Dirt, right? Yeah, but it's been dear a while. Tay. Dear Tay, dear Tay, you're a little fancy <laughs> with it. <laughs> Dude, I, I ah, there it is—the original. Me and my buddy used to qu- uh, quote Joe Dirt all the time. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> I gotta show it to my daughter. Oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> you got a couple more years before <laughs> no, you can no, show no, it to no, your no, kid. Yeah, it's that. almost there. Almost there. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting you're close. That's what I was thinking. I was like, "How are you going to explain I'm your sister to your yeah, daughter?" I can't do that. Yeah, can't do that. Don't show her Harold and Kamar yet either. She's got like another five years easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Especially the second one. The first one you could probably get away with, but don't show her the second one. Probably keep her off Cheech and Chong for a little while too, <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> the haunted Ho Rainforest. The Ho Rainforest, located in the Olympic National Park, is known for where, its lush. Where is Olympic. it? Where? <laughs> Where is it so I know where uh, to the, avoid it? The whole rainforest. Avoid. That's uh, disgusting. Uh, where? Avoid. <laughs> <laughs> where should I never, ever, ever go at night without so the, clothes on? The whole rainforest, <laughs> which is located in the Olympic National Park, is known for its lush beauty and serene atmosphere. However, some visitors have reported eerie experiences and a sense of being watched or followed while exploring in the forest. Disembodied some people are voices, into that. 
whispers and unexplained <laughs> footsteps have been reported by hikers in this haunting, beautiful wilderness. I'm going to add to this because I actually know of another story. And I want to say it's a story that I came across. It's one of those like, this is a true story things that I came across on the internet. Uh, it was a biker, like a, like a pedal biker, um, a distance mountain biker. That's what I'm looking for. Those are the words I wanted. <laughs> the who, words that can't be right, confused. Who went into the Ho rainforest one like weekend or one week. He was doing like a week long bike ride and he was in a mountain bike and he had one of those like carry behind bike trailers with all of his gear and everything in it. He disappeared. Like no one could find him for like months. And eventually <laughs> they found his bike and that, well, no one, no one found him for months, but, Initially, in investigating his disappearance, like a week or so after he had failed to check in, they found his bike in the camper, some of his gear scattered about, but his backpack and like essential survival supplies were missing. And there were arrows, like from a bow and arrow, embedded around his bike at a downward angle in the ground. When they found him, his body was on top of a mountain. Um, the food in his pack had been eaten and his gun, his mountain biking gun had been fired twice, but there was no damage to him and there was no damage to anything else. Like, and it was one of those, like he may have shot himself, but we, it, the body's been too damaged by the elements for us to tell. Cause it had been several uh... months. Um, but the two theories for the longest time had been, or the theory, the official theory is that he climbed to the top of the mountain and committed committed suicide but the holes that have always kind of been poked in it is what was up with the arrows and why would he have taken his survival gear and food up to the top of the mountain if he was going to kill himself because he's running from bigfoot yep that's actually one of the theories he was running from bigfoot running from bigfoot what do you think the arrows were i think he was ambushed by some like culture well i mean Uh, by some hill people (laughs) Now, what kind of and arrow, speaking? I'm assuming yeah, well, arrows. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming it doesn't talk about the the type of arrows. Like we talking, <laughs> we're all like, were they broadhead, pointy, pointy things? Were they yeah. sticks with rocks on the end of them? Yeah, <laughs> they were modern arrows, and there was a modern bow and modern arrows found between his body and the um, like. Man, this Ooh. ain't the whole forest that I was promised. No. Yeah, right? I mean, not... you'll get stuck, just not with the things you want to get stuck with. Right? Oh. Things a dildo if you're brave enough. <laughs> True All right, story. So speaking of being chased down and murdered by a cult at the top of a mountain, Chuck, you got a cult for us before we jump into supernatural sightings in the Pacific yeah. Northwest? So <clears throat> my oldest son at one point wanted to do the uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. So he had talked about it for a while, and that goes from, uh, I guess, the U.S.-Mexico border all the way up to, like, through Canada or up to Alaska or something. Like, it's a long, it's a long trail to, like, to do it. You have to be in contact with people to, like, have deliveries for you. So he was, he still does research on it, and he's coming to find out. We watched this whole uh, docu- this uh, documentary on uh, someone that was doing the trail. So the area we're talking about, like tonight, up in the Oregon Washington area, this this guy gets up there, and this trail sometimes is really wide, and sometimes it's like a trail like you see on TV or you think about in your head. It's just 
enough for a person to walk through. Well, this guy's going along and he'd been doing his camping and putting his food up high and everything like he's supposed to. And he comes to this bend in the trail where it gets a little bit wider and there's just two people wearing all white. And like most people, you know, you see people on the trail and you wave and you're, oh, hey, you know, you keep going on your way or whatever. So as he goes by these people, he waves and says hi, and they don't even react. So when night came, he thought that was really weird. Like, they're not even reacting. They have no gear. They're just sitting here. So the first night, he camps after he sees these people. And I guess, and I had to talk to my son about this. Like, I don't understand why somebody goes so far off the trail to camp. Like, I would figure you'd be like, oh, I'm like five feet off the trail. I can see the trail. I'm going to camp. I guess most people... Most people go off the trail because there's other, I, the trail comes close to some sketchy towns. Well, um, this is, this is in the middle of nowhere where this guy's camping. Right. So, but there's like, there's like, so, so just, just context, like there's yeah. sketchy settlements or whatever that you want to say. Cause there's places on the trail that are removed enough from any like real city or any real town or whatever that like, or like any real big that they're yeah. good places to like trade They're, drugs and stuff. Okay. So a lot of gang shit will happen out uh, near or on the nowhere. trail. So a lot of people that hike it go off the trail considerably to camp. The other reason they do it is because bears specifically know that if they follow the, the trail, trail, they can get easy food. Okay. So this guy, the first night, okay, is doing that and he has his food up high and everything. And According to him, he hears some motion and stuff at night, but didn't think anything of it because, you know, I'm in a forest. You hear noises. He gets out in the morning, and his pack of food is gone. And all he can find around his camp is no bear tracks, but people footprints, like hiking boots and shoes. Nope, the fuck out of there. So he goes on his way. He still had stuff. He supposedly get new supplies. When he got somewhere, he gets his new supplies. And it's like three or four nights later, he hears the noises again. But this time, he's laying there in his tent, and he had put um, he put branches and debris around his campsite so he could really hear somebody walking, and he could hear the people walking, and then he could hear low m- murmuring. He gets up, fights the prince again, keeps going on his way. And I guess he's like supposedly like way out there, like near Mount St. Helen, because I think it goes near there. He keeps hiking and gets to the point where he turns back and he can see he's like up on a ridge and he can see way back behind him. And he hasn't seen anybody in a whole day. He sees two figures in white back behind where he's been already. So it freaks him out the next night. He sets everything up again the same way. Well, that's the night where it all happens. He hears all the people out there, and he sees lights this time. He ends up freaking out, busting out of his tent, and there was about 10 people out outside of his tent, all in white, and he took off running. He ends up hiding in the forest somewhere. Next day, he gets down the trail, he gets into the town, and he reports everything that's going on. The rangers tell him, yeah, we've heard of this. Where were you? Yeah, it's really weird about the food disappearing, but uh yeah, we've we've had reports of uh food disappearing, people being uh encircled. And uh yeah, so you're going to keep going on the trail or what? And that's when he decided to like uh get on a Greyhound and go home. What is uh yeah, I think we could do an entire episode on like people who have both the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Coast Trail. How they just disappear and like you were saying, Ryan, like 
I don't know how much people have actually driven around our nation, but there are places where it's like uh, my dad used to tell me, if you go anywhere out of, you know, what's considered finger quotes, massive civilization, you just stay on the road. You oh, yeah, go yeah. down the side roads. You don't do nothing because one, you don't know what kind of private property it is. If there's mines or, you know, we, we've all talked about Indian reservations, how like they can be creepy, but it's, it's not just that it's, there are people that live off the grid that are actually psychopaths. And that's why I think a lot of people go missing. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. What is that one movie? I want to say it's like the forest or something. We talked about it before, probably in the ritual. Is it the ritual where it's a old, like uh, Norse, like demon or monster? It's like uh, hunting. It's like this big moose thing with the with the like naked skull for a head or that's something. A, that's that's uh, a window. Are you, are you talking about horns? The movie no, about the Wendigo. I feel like it it was the ritual. The dude ends up like running out of the forest and the things like right behind him. It like kills pretty much. It's like him and his four friends and like they all want to yeah, go camping. That's the ritual. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That movie was gnarly. Reminds me of that. Yeah. It's like, you know, for, forest and stuff like. Oh yeah, you're right. It is a giant, crazy Wendigo looking creature in the ritual. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's like the shot where like he shoots it and it does nothing. And then it looks directly at him and he's like. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, oops. That, that didn't work. Yeah, it's 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 you know again like uh, Ruge and I were talking about some stuff earlier today too because about this podcast and it's like you you read and hear legends and my belief is there's a reason why that legend is there. Is that its dick? Oh, what yeah. the hell was it? No, it's like it's organs hanging. It's yeah. hands hanging out of its stomach. Oh, okay, yeah, I was so, say, dude, it's got like a. Got a little schlong there that just kind of carries yeah. around with it. Just reach out there and get you. Yeah, it's a it's a really creepy looking monster. It's got that body horror somebody. thing going on. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, got like so its head is like a half body, rope, half antler, like a like a, like a person humanoid, like a like, rabbit. Yeah. yeah, it's like a rabbit head. It looks like a turkey slapped on a. Yeah, it's like, so those are like legs with like claws on it. And then there's the arms hanging down. And then it's got its mouth and it's got two other arms. And then in its like stomach, roughly where like its genitalia would kind of be, there are two other arms hanging out. New meaning to it's reach like, around. It's got like mandible arms kind of kind of thing. Yeah, it's creepy the fuck looking, dude. I'd love to find this as a 3D print. Yeah, but again, like like back to the whole cult thing, it's like you don't, you don't know what's out there. Yeah, this was very much oh, yeah, like the, the, the ritual yeah. movie. Because I believe there's cultists in the movie, Ryan. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, I believe there's something to do with it. Or they think there's a cult or something. Yeah. yeah. The ritual The ritual is a crazy good movie. I, I enjoyed that one. Maybe I'll show my daughter that one. That one, I think, is uh, is friendly. I mean, if you don't want her to sleep. <laughs> yeah, she's seen scary movies. She's seen It and uh, Conjuring and Nun and uh, Annabelle. Oh, did you see the trailer for The Nun too? I have not. I'm just going to wait uh, for it to come out. There, there's, there's a scene, there, I got to tell you this one thing. There's this scene where like the girl, there's two girls like up in a loft, and this one girl like leans forward and sees two girls, the nun one down loft. below. And yeah. then she leans back, and the little girl goes, what's she doing? And the older girl's like, she's just standing there 
staring at us and not moving. And as soon as she finishes talking, the nun's hands grab the sides oh. of her face. And then it and then it goes to like that's the end of the trailer. And I was like, that's a good trailer. <laughs> Dude. The the design that 30 seconds got me. <laughs> the design of the nun is so fucking creepy dude like it's uh, just yeah. uh Balak or whatever the demons yeah. the actual demon's name is yeah it's like marilyn manson in a nun costume it's not yeah, no a, shit it's pretty, right? yeah oh fuck right. it's bigfoot for 369 dollars so, you can see bigfoot so up next <laughs> and as we move into the paranormal side of the pacific northwest we have bigfoot slash sasquatch sightings sasquatch and bigfoot got Three episodes at the beginning of our American Cryptids coverage, which was just before we got into haunted forests. We will get back to cryptids from around the U.S. because there's a lot. We we only did a couple. We got cryptids. We got aliens. They're coming. But Bigfoot and Sasquatch sightings. The Pacific Northwest is famous for its numerous reports of Bigfoot and Sasquatch sightings. People claim to have encountered a large, hairy, ape-like creature in the dense forests of the region. While there is no conclusive scientific evidence to support the existence of Bigfoot, these sightings have fueled legends and speculation for decades. Bigfoot's probably the other reason why people disappear. Yeah, he's got to eat them, you know. Oh, that's dope. That's a cool Bigfoot. I mean, that's a cool Bigfoot head. Have you heard the one theory? Let's, Let's see. see. Uh, right, we probably did we, when we did I the episode. I don't remember but, if we covered this, but... uh Reason why people go disappearing, one, you know, for food, and two, for breeding. Mm, yep. Ace Ventura. Got to make them, got to make them. Uh, got to make the new generation of Sasquatch. Yeah. Sa- Sasquatch human hybrids. Well, I thank you for calling in and letting us know about your theory about Sasquatch human hybrids. 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 Can you tell us what else you've seen there on your friend's ranch in uh, Southern Oregon, Chuck? <laughs> Sorry, I, I was channeling my inner coast to coast radio for a minute. Love it. <laughs> Speaking of anal probing, wow, whoa. that's your segue into aliens and yes. UFO sightings. I love it. UFO sightings at Mount Rainier in 1947. A pilot named Kenneth Arnold reported seeing a group of unidentified flying objects while flying near Mount Rainier, Washington. This event, often considered the beginning of the modern UFO era, sparked a wave of UFO sightings across the country. Mount Rainier and its surrounding forests have since become associated with UFO and extraterrestrial encounters. I've actually heard the transcript of this dude's like account of seeing the UFO around Mount Rainier. Um, I will try to dig it up for when we do our UFO-focused episodes, but it's pretty crazy. So uh, we just had 4th of July, right? Uh, not to date us on, on this specifically, but we just celebrated 4th of July. And uh, my daughter, she's still young, okay? And I told her, I was like, hey, do you want to watch why we celebrate the 4th? Do you want to watch a movie about why we celebrate the 4th of July? Yes, you showed her Independence Day, didn't you? I absolutely <laughs> did. And yes. I, was like, I was like, hey, this is based on a true story. <laughs> no way. And dude, literally we got through maybe a quarter of the way of the movie before and she she's called like you a liar. She looked at me and she's She's like, "Are you fucking, are you fucking serious?" And I'm you like, know oh. "You know what's really great is that your kid is young enough that if you had sold that worked? right, it would have oh, fucking worked cuz it oh. happened in like doesn't Independence Day take place in like 1997 or some yeah. shit?" Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> With your younger kid, 
Uh, we, we could do that do again. We rebuilt. You could, you, we could actually make that work because oh, like, all of us can be could, in on it. We could all be in on it, and I'd be like, "Dude, I was there when the aliens attacked. I was there in L.A. when all this <laughs> happened." Dude, welcome to Earth. Wow, Chuck, you got to get a tattoo, <laughs> a tattoo so, of that date somewhere, just like on on your arm somewhere. Oh yeah, like I was there, the Battle of Nevada, whatever, <laughs> fucking nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> the Battle of I, Nevada. I fueled, uh, <laughs> where where was the the final? Because weren't they at that like sketchy base in Nevada? Yeah, they, yeah, they were, were in Area 51. Yeah, they went to 51, Area 51. Yeah. yeah, so the Battle of Area 51, <laughs> 1999, Battle of Area back, 51. Back I was the guy the, who fueled up Jimmy's airplane before he rammed back, it up that yeah. motherfucker's bow. Back <laughs> in the olden this days. Happened, this happened back before the uh, scientist, who is now the actor who plays Data on Star Trek, was an actor. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta remember, son, when they made this movie, none of these people were actors. <laughs> we could show the, uh, the clips of the Area 51 raid with the dude's ninja running across Area 51. Oh, God, dude, the Naruto run. Yeah. Oh, love it. Have you, have you seen the footage of the soldier having to explain what a Naruto run is to, like, the yeah. Joe Chiefs of Staff? It's, it was fucking it's hilarious. Fucking hysterical. Because, of course, somebody brought it up. There, like, because, you know, one of, the, one of the Joint Chiefs eventually heard that they were planning on Naruto running. And so, of course, the Joint Chiefs not understanding the internet because they're a bunch of ancient potato windbags are like, <laughs> What is Naruto running? What is the, what is this concept? What is this? And so they they asked their younger generation of staff to then explain it, like to yeah. brief them on what it is that the millennials are planning on doing to Area Fifty One, and it's, what is a Naruto? It, it's like watching. It's like watching the. Uh, I don't know if you can find it oh, anymore, but it's the, so funny. The oh, Senate, but... the Senate Joint Committee grilling the dude that owns. TikTok. Yeah, it's just as and, bad and as the, that. And the guy's like, the the, the senator is like, and what exactly is an email? And then like, there's a pause, and he's like, and can I use a fax machine to log into the TikToks? And can the Chinese get my faxes from the TikToks with my email and fax machine? And you're just like, how fucking disconnected are you from anything technological? Enough, like, right? like, like, what the? Did you just bring up email and fax machine? Like, where, where, what, what year do you think? Do you think it's squarely 1980? right now brother it's, like, come it's, on 2k never progressed in their oh, mind it's still 1999 because right? the vortex he stepped into oh, <laughs> yeah, but there of... was there was one part before we move on sorry, sorry chuck <laughs> that was a good chuck segue. Had an amazing a segue some of a bitch <laughs> so there's one part in the movie where they interview the guys that uh of the crop duster and they're like yeah he was uh abducted by aliens and was uh sexually abused and i was like oh fuck and my daughter looked at me and she's like what is what is, oh what do God. they mean and i was like so there's this <laughs> oh so back when that joke would have been okay to people your daughter's age like when that movie came out yeah. like that was a joke but, that just universally was understood now 
Yes. And that's that's also back when you used to take your temperature that way too. Yeah. So I told her I was like <sighs> I was like, You're so there's this ongoing joke about aliens and anal probing. Oh, she doesn't know the <laughs> anal probing? And how they want oh. your butthole. And, dude, for the rest of the movie, she was just like, he got anal probed. I'm like, stop. Stop. Don't don't say that ever again. Like, don't, like. Mark. What saying is I'm going to have to ask her. Oh, my did, God. Did she you learn buy from her the Dark Eldar? Yeah, right? Now I can so, tell her, like, yeah, so, that's what you do. Dark so Eldar. Now, now I can ask her what she learned <laughs> yeah, from the historical documentary that yep. she watched. Yep, and she will tell At, you. Ask her why the Xenos need to die. And I was just like, all right, stop. I was like, I'm, I was just explaining the, the idea of it, all right? That's it. It's just a joke with aliens. Don't take it any further. <laughs> this doesn't leave the room. <laughs> yeah. So this vortex. Vortex of hell that you stepped into. <laughs> De- dear dear Mon Kai, if you didn't want to be tortured, why do you have a nervous system? I thought you were going to say, why do you have an asshole? Like, oh, wow. That's the not torture. Oregon, <laughs> it depends on who you are. The Oregon Vortex, located in Golden Hill, Oregon. The Oregon Vortex is a mysterious area where the laws of physics seem to behave strangely. It is believed to be a gravitational anomaly that distorts the perception of height and width, causing optical illusions. Visitors to the area have reported experiencing strange sensations and witnessing objects roll uphill. The Oregon Vortex has become a popular tourist attraction known for its paranormal properties. This is another thing that's pretty big. There's a mystery spot or a vortex or something in most states. Some of them have several. So it's like a land Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, yeah. Uh, Isn't there uh, something like that on Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah, but and then there's like the San Clemente. Yeah, San Clemente, but the San Isidro mystery spot or San, oh, is yeah, it San Clemente that, mystery spot. Oh, where where things roll uphill. Yeah, yeah, and then there's one in San Francisco. Yeah, that these things happen a lot. Uh, this phenomenon is reported a lot. Whether or not it's real, who knows? Who was that? Who was that guy from Deadpool? I think it was was it Bedlam? Can uh, distort electrical fields even in your brain? <laughs> that's fun that's not fair <laughs> it's like that's, the six stick from kick-ass oh dude that's such oh, a man. great weapon you, you're you're gonna you're gonna talk about loki i'm gonna talk about loki huh is yeah. that is that one of the theories well you haven't oh well it was on the the show was it on the first season yeah yeah where uh, they, i think I, I think he loses a bet to thor and odin and he had to go to Earth and go do something, and this is what he does. I'm going to have to rewatch the first season yeah. here because I don't remember yeah. that. All right, so next up we have The Vanishing of D.B. Cooper. In 1971, a man known as D.B. Cooper hijacked a Boeing 727 aircraft over Washington State, demanded a ransom, and then parachuted into the forest below. Despite an extensive search, Cooper has never been found, and the case remains unsolved to this day. The forests of the Pacific Northwest became the drag- backdrop for this mysterious disappearance, capturing the public's imagination and giving rise to various theories and legends about what happened to D.B. Cooper. And D.B. Cooper is just the type of story that probably deserves its own focused Laura Subscurus. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard of this. I, oh, I've heard the really? name, but it I've is. never heard of this. This is, is a very, very popular like piece of Americana history. So fascinating. Basically, what? picture somebody that year gets on a plane, has his money, jumps out the plane, 
never to be seen again. And there's so many. Yeah, and it was like fifty thousand or seventy five thousand dollars, which like you know doesn't sound like a not a lot now, but it was the equivalent you know spending in today's yeah, and, money of like two point five million or something. Yeah, and it's like the one of the shows I've watched on it. One of the shows I like to watch. They they did this, and it's like. He went with, I think, three of the main theories that could have happened, and all of them end up with they were hallucinating. The guy's real and actually just fucking disappeared and had what so well planned out. He had people on the ground waiting for him. And it's 1971, so think about it. It's not the same technology yeah, we have now. Not so even can, close. You know, just change your name and whole new social security card, and damn, you're yep. gone. And at this point, he may, he's probably not even alive anymore, so. He'd be in the seven in between the seventies <laughs> and nineties. Uh, oh, I was also alive, thinking yeah. it, it being the seventies and him getting that much money and hanging out with some shady people afterwards. He probably just did cocaine and died. I was going to say that's a <laughs> lot yeah, of cocaine. Sure. <laughs> that, that's a that's a get you killed amount of cocaine. <laughs> he went to Las Vegas 100%, and got lost. One hundred percent. Can you right? OD on cocaine? Absolutely. You can OD on everything. You take enough of anything, you you can OD on water. <laughs> That's true. It's hard to OD on water because you, like, you run out of space. <laughs> yeah, you can drown yourself. Is it unless you're trying to win a switch for your kid? It happened in <laughs> Southern California, like five years ago. I was, yeah, I remember. What that. was it? Chug a gallon of water, and yeah, some some mom died of um, water, water toxicity. Dr- yeah, drowning. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, that blows my trying, mind. Because, trying to win a switch. Well, because on one of the my, famous radio stations. My kidney condition, because of my kidney condition, like I drink an obscene amount of water. Like I can drink a half gallon casually. Just like that's what I drink before we start the podcast, and then I'll go refill it again before we're done. Like <laughs> I've, I've given myself water toxicity to the part to the place where I'll vomit, where I I have vomited pure water. Yes, I but, I've gotten I've gotten to that point before, and it's not very fun. But oh yeah, your, no, your body, body just rejects you. it. Like yeah, at that point, your body tells you it's coming. But I guess if you push through that, you can get water toxicity and die, which is <laughs> that's. Insane. It's crazy. Reminds and it's, it's kind of like, uh, can you overdose on marijuana? And it's like, yes, but you'd have to like replace your bloodstream with it, and smoke that much would basically render you unconscious before you got there. Yeah, but it would take so. <laughs> it would long. take so many bales that like, it would it wouldn't work. Like you, it, you by the time. <laughs> It just cocaine, reminds me of Scarface. I think you just you can you can because its potency per like square inch mm-hmm. is a lot higher. Yeah, because you know? like thinking about Scarface, like that dude was just sticking his face in a mound of cocaine. Right. Well, like, and you build up a tolerance. You, true. True. You do build up a tolerance. One of the things that often happens, and like unfortunately, in a lot of OD cases, is people will get like clean. For whatever reason, and then Their they'll tolerance decide goes down, and yeah. then they re- they go back to it, and they're like, "Let me take this fat rip." Yeah, they'll be like, "I'm gonna take one last trip for good old times' sake," and then they'll do what they were doing at the height of their use, and they'll it's too much, and they'll die. So what you're huh. saying is they're trying to see the lights. They're trying to see the lights, the mysterious lights of Marfa, Oregon. Marfa is a small town in Oregon known for its unexplained phenomenon known as the Marfa Lights. Witnesses have reported seeing bright, floating orbs of light in the night sky and near the forest surrounding the area. 
The lights have been a subject of much speculation with theories ranging from UFOs to natural gas to ghosts. The Marfa lights continue to intrigue locals and visitors alike. There is a similar phenomenon in Arizona, which in a lot of these light cases, they're able to like, it's hot desert conditions, nighttime. You're seeing a mirage of the local highway, but you know, who knows how long has it been there? Interesting. I don't know. The light stuff doesn't really spook me. Like I feel like a lot of it can just be hand waved away by, you know, random, random light. Really? Uh, that's how I feel. At least. Really? When you're in the middle of the pitch black forest and all of a sudden there's just a light and there's no, no nothing. Like what kind of light are we talking? Are we talking about like, uh, like eyes, you know, in the distance you see, or like, uh, we're talking about like a flicker of light, like you're, you're, uh, fire just light. Like the, the last, uh, photo that Ryan had for three, six or $9 up on the screen. Yeah. You see that little bit of light and it looks like a flashlight, but it's not a flashlight. It's kind of bobbing around and you're all out there by yourself. Yeah, maybe it's like an owl's eyes or something. No. You know, I don't know. No. It's or a UFO, it's bro. It's coming to get you. Or Sasquatch running around with a flashlight. It's mad about how Will Smith punched it in the face. It's going to come get you. Before he was an actor. Will Smith, the fighter pilot, before he was an actor. Before he was an actor. <laughs> but <laughs> after he was a cowboy. Sam Squatch with the bag. Well, no, U.S. Marshal, not cowboy. That's right. U.S. Marshal. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And- and before he How was many a movies uh, are we gonna CDC say are biologist. Man, we are just putting on these are all real movies. Let's see how many I can get away yeah, with. Yeah, Will Will Smith is just the uh interchangeable the, man. What what is the Cal, what was the California gold guy? The 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 documentary oh, guy. That guy You know what I'm talking about. Yep, you know yep. what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's gold. that guy, but but the action movie version. Nice. <laughs> I was like, one of you guys is old enough to know that the documentaries I'm talking about. (laughs) So we had a Patreon member send us a spooky dookie. For those of you who are listening, whether or not you listen to us or whether or not you're a Patreon with us, if you would like to get into contact with us somehow, you can submit your own spooky tales and we will potentially include them in an episode of Loris Obscurus. And Semi has sent us a couple of different tales. I want to say this is maybe the third or fourth spooky tale that he sent us. So thank you very much. We, we love getting them. By the way, as we mentioned at least once, not twice, Patreon, three, six or nine dollars. You get some extra benefits. Sex. He's talking about sex. <laughs> it's not, I am not talking about sex. That is not what I'm talking about. What? There, that's in a movie right now. <laughs> like what? One character's like sex. He's talking about sex, and the other one's like, "That is the farthest thing from what I'm talking about." I didn't what get movie it from is that. that? It's just how my my head works. But yes, uh, maybe it's the movie that stars you and I. For three, six, or nine dollars, <laughs> Ryan draws sexual characters. No, I do not. I do not <laughs> have time. Models. I do not have time. Do not. That is false advertising, if listeners. You, no, if you join our Patreon. For oh, the sexual caricatures that Ryan draws, uh, go ahead and join our patron and say, Ryan, draw me sexy or draw me like one of your French girls. And he, cool. I, he will have to start drawing. It'll be no, it's like the new it's like the new rule set in in a tenth edition where it's like lethal hits and brackets. It's it's sexy and brackets brackets followed by whatever the X is of what you want. 
No, no, so th- this is what's going to happen. This is this is what you get for making promises like this, Marky. Oh, you get no. pictures of whatever Legion Space Marines you have where I have hastily and badly photoshopped boobs to the outside of the armor. Okay? I think they'll be okay That's with that. That's what you get. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Can I get a death watch of that, Ryan? I'm going to join the uh, Why is this happening? Do not the- stop. Stop wow, making art commitments s- for me. I don't have time do- for it. got derailed quick. I love it. Yeah, this I'm gonna, is Marky. So, I'm going to join the Patreon. I'm going to say, Slanish draw me like one of your French right girls. And then in parentheses, I'm going to put Death Watch. I hate you. <laughs> do not make me do more artwork. I hate you. <laughs> All right. So, semi-story. This happened to a cousin of mine. She said this would be around the time she was still in her skeptical phase. And that was before she embraced the truth of the spooky dookies. He wrote that. I didn't write that. He wrote that. Nice. It happened on a weekend night as she was getting ready for a night out downtown with friends. She had the upstairs area of her family home to herself. This was a large rectangular room with a set of stairs that came up from the floor below. These stairs were in the lower left-hand corner of the room as you entered. This open landing acted as a little hangout area with an actual room that was along its far side, opposite where the stairs came up. There was a small couch and TV toward the front, a little desk about halfway along the right side of the room, opposite where the stairs were, and a mirror that was in line with the top of the stairs, but on the other side, basically. So if you like, kind of picture, I think like if you kind of picture a box... There's a set of stairs at the bottom. Then there's the TV and everything right above it. There's a desk. And then there's the mirror and whatever bedroom it is. And then the top of the steps are basically in line, can be viewed, can be seen from the mirror the entire time. At this point, she took a minute to remind me that she has two younger brothers that would always play pranks on her and basically try to get jump scares on her. That's just some context that lays into how her thought process played out during this entire event. That night, she sat facing the mirror to apply her makeup. A single light, which shined almost like a spotlight down around her and where she was sitting, cast the rest of the room behind her into deep, dark shadows. While working on her makeup, she saw the reflection of a dark, shadowy figure slowly coming up the stairs behind her. This figure was crawling cautiously, as if trying to sneak up on her. Of course, she immediately assumed it was one of her brothers and quickly turned around to try to catch a glimpse of them but the shadow just disappeared back down the stairs as soon as she looked. She took a moment to stare into the darkness before returning to her makeup. Just as soon as she did so, the shadow popped back up and started to crawl into the room again from the staircase. This time, even though she saw it, she let it creep into the room more so that it would be on all fours, but in the room now, not on the staircase. Again, assuming it was one of her brothers, she quickly whipped around and actually started dashing a little bit in an attempt to catch one of them. But again, it disappeared back down into the darkness of the stairs where the light could not be seen. Thinking to herself, how did they move so fast? She then thought, next time I'll wait until they get closer so I can really catch them this time. And that's what she did. She went back to pretending to apply her makeup just like before. Not long after, the dark figure came crawling back, but this time she let it come up further into the room, waited for it to be about a quarter of the way into the room. Then she immediately turned and ran, turned around and ran after the shadow, but the shadow quickly bolted back into the dark stairs before she could catch it. From here, she really started to question herself again at how her brothers got so fast. And, but she said to herself, 
I got one last chance. I'll get him this time. Back to her spot in front of the mirror to try and catch it again. This time, watching the shadow move across the room where it came up to and then moved to hide underneath the desk. Once she saw the figure sit down and plant itself under the desk, she sprang up knowing this time there was no way for it to get away and she could catch it. However, when she turned around, the shadow just disappeared from under the desk. She didn't see it run down the stairs at all, but it vanished from under her tiny desk, and that's when it hit her. This wasn't one of her brothers. This freaked her out, and she started to panic, running into her room and locking the door behind her. Then she threw herself onto the bed and sat down facing the door until the sun rose the next morning. Once the sun had came up, she could hear her family rustling around downstairs. She quickly ran down to check up on them and told them about what had happened. Her siblings did the I told you so, now you believe us routine, as they had seen plenty of spooky dookies already with something familiar like that shadow creature in and around the house. Although the parents just kind of always brushed it off, saying, it's nothing, don't think about it too much, which usually translates to stop talking about it because we low-key are freaked out too, but we don't want to acknowledge it. I have to say, that's a, that's a freaky tale. It's a freaky tale, Sammy. Um, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I don't like the, th- the fact they got freaky, freaky to the tale, desk. Sammy. Yeah. Right? Uh, and like that, she baited it. That reminds me of the yeah, Shadow creepy. Leprechaun story. Yep, yep. Um, this also reminds me of, uh, I think it was one of the Conjuring movies, uh, or it was, uh, Annabelle. It may have, or wasn't it, wasn't it one of the insidious? Well, I, they are all the same. It could have been that too. I think <laughs> it was good, but they're all kind of the same. Yeah. One of the Annabelle ones, it's like, uh, the kid is shooting a ball or something. If I recall correctly, he's shooting a ball into a dark hallway. So essentially where the, um, the door frame is, is essentially just a dark plane, right? So you can't see past the door frame. And uh, he'd shoot the ball into the hallway and it would get thrown back to him. And that was the second conjuring, wasn't it? It was, it was one of them. Wasn't it the it, conjuring that was in that's Europe? That's creepy, just in general. Yeah, and uh, he freaked out and uh, he has bunk beds and he ran up and jumped into the top bunk bed and he could hear something like running down or what freaked him out wasn't the ball. I think he heard footsteps running towards him from the darkness. And he got freaked out, ran to his bed, jumped in, and uh, the footstep, footsteps stopped. And then after they stopped and he was kind of in his bed and calmed down, he heard the footsteps run into his room and get into the bunk bed below him. Oh, it's, um, oh, that's creepy. Is that, is, that's with the Annabelle doll. I believe it's Annabelle, right? Yeah, when they go, when, when the house becomes like the, uh, like an orphanage. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah, that's the yeah, one. And the kid has, like, uh, I think the kid was disabled. I think he had, like, braces on his legs or something. It was something along those lines. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> very much reminded me of that. I don't like it, Semi. Thank you. <laughs> I had goosebumps for like three quarters of that story. Yeah, I'm not okay. Creepy. Why did you bring this up? <laughs> well, any anybody have any other creepy tales or dark happenings in forests? Anything like that? I believe I shared them before uh, with the one uh, in my tent. Yep. Okay. <sighs> Is there any other one? Did I share the dog man story yet? Possibly. I, I saw it when, it 
when it was super heavily snowing one day and I went to go find it. Any of this ringing bell? This okay, was okay. current, right? Yeah, this happened. This yes. happened last winter. Yes. Since you moved, yeah. yeah. I do okay. recall this one. I have told this one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That one. Uh, well, never no, mind. No, no. I, I won't tell everybody again. <laughs> <laughs> you could check out one of our old Lore Subscurious episodes and hear our spooky dookies. Yeah, yeah. We, we bring them up as we recall them. I definitely spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest hiking and camping when I was younger because I grew up in Washington State. Uh, I want to say there's a handful of stories. I can't. I, so I had this half remembered story and we were in these like a frame cabins. It was a boy scout, uh, a skiing trip, skiing, hiking trip. We were up in the mountains in, in Washington, up near crystal mountain, up near Stevens pass area. If uh, anybody is familiar with that area. And there are these lean-to cabins, so they're like A-frames. They're basically like A's. Like that's, they look like teepees, but instead of being circular, they're like long cabins, essentially. And we were staying yeah. in these cabins, and uh, we, there was ours, and then Caddy Corner to us was like the adult's cabin. And I think we had one, we had like one chaperone, one adult. We had one of the, uh, we had one of the older kids, like, or one of the kids' older uh, sisters and like her husband or her fiance or something was staying in our cabin. And then all the uh, other like adult adults were in the other one. And I, we had done the, the pretty stereotypical normal, like campfire ghost stories and all that stuff. And it tried to kind of freak each other out all night. Um, and the two things that stand out about this night are the first one. This is the first time I had ever kind of like come up against weirder thinking. Um, I went to a public school that was really well known for its science department in like grade school and middle school. And this was like towards the end of middle school in Washington state. I wasn't quite Washington state's middle school is different. Ninth grade is part of middle school. And then high school is 10th, 11th and 12th only. Um, and this is kind of towards the end of that. But one of the kids parents were either Jehovah's Witnesses or something along those lines. And, and this was the first time I had ever heard the theory that dinosaur bones were planted by Satan to make Man. humans think that dinosaurs existed. Like it was a plot. Uh, and that was weird because I had never heard anything like that before. But of course, like as we're talking about all this weird shit, including Satan burying dinosaur bones, yada, 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 all the power to both cabins goes out. And when the power goes out in a place like that, there aren't street lights. There isn't another grid. There aren't cars on the road. You are in, and if there's no moon, and I'm pretty sure there was no moon or very little moon or the moon was behind the clouds, something along those rounds, there's no, there's no light. There's the snow that makes everything you'd think that since it's white and it's reflective, doesn't matter. Cloud cover, you can't fucking see shit. It is dark and like a weird murky blue darkness is the only way I can kind of describe it. It's very strange. It's very surreal. It's very winter dark is different. It's very serene in a way. Like if you're prepared oh, for yeah. it, if you put yourself in that, it's very nice and serene. When it happens, it's not. <laughs> so of course the adults come into the room and are trying to get us all to not be crazy people. Uh, we didn't necessarily, it's a group of boys. So we didn't start screaming our heads off and running around being scared that monsters were going to get us. We, we beat uh, on each other. 
yeah, we started beating on each other and running around and screaming that monsters were going to get us. So it wasn't a fear response that monsters were going to get us. It was an excited response that monsters were going to get us, of course. You're like, oh, we were talking spooky shit and the lights yeah, yeah. went out. There's definitely spooky shit. We're all going to die. Oh, boys, we did it. <laughs> we summoned go. the spooky shit. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Is that not not the response you would normally expect? But so it's that, the response you get from a bunch of boys who don't understand their own mortality. Yeah, exactly. So the adults come out. The this this gal and her and her husband or her fiance or whatever he was come out, and they calm us down and everything. And about fifteen twenty minutes goes by, and it gets to the point where you know we've got a couple of lanterns on, and we've got um, one of the little propane like heaters going and i think we lit uh, i think one of us lit the fire because you know heat everything's out heats out everything's out um we filled up water we did all this stuff that scouts are supposed to do we filled up all the little receptacles with water yada 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 we've got all that stuff going around uh and enough time had passed that it didn't matter the cabin was starting to get really really cold you know we're wearing jackets we're wearing gloves we're around fires it's probably as cold inside the cabin as it is outside these cabins are not necessarily like the type of things that are, if you've ever been to this type of like hiking, skiing, that they are a suggestion against the wind. They are not a protection from the elements style thing. And the decision was made that we would go and contact, like, like get the adults from the other cabin. Uh, and it was only four adults in the other cabin. And it was two couples. It was the scoutmaster and his wife. And then like, one of the other kids and his, his dad and his uh, mom. So we decide, you know, we're going to go because we can't let the, you know, 18, 19 year old girl or 20 year old girl go. Um, And, you know, we had to show up her fiance. So of course he went with us. So like three or four of us go and we go to the other cabin and the other cabin's door is, is open, is unlocked. It's not like open, open, but it's unlocked. No lanterns are on, no fire is going, and there is no one in it. So now it's 15 children with two 20-something-year-old adults in the middle of fucking nowhere. And immediately, we all that's when everybody actively freaks out. The adults are gone. Power is out, and the adults are gone, and their cabin was unlocked. And of course, that immediately like turned into... Movie. Yeah, that immediately turned into the doors were open, of course. So we go out into the parking lot and the cars are gone. And now That's even better. And now we are delirious with excitement slash fear. This goes on for probably another like three or four minutes before the scoutmaster and his buddy come walking around from the backside of our cabin laughing because they went, moved the cars and turned the power off at the light pole to the cabins to fuck with us. (laughs) But it, it, it got us, it got us like that, that nice pregnant five minutes of like, wait, what's going on? Why can't we find an actual adult? It was a because prank. Or, I was a prank. Or it was a cover. Or yeah, that's true. It could have been uh, Scoutmaster and his wife. <laughs> Scoutmaster and his wife. Uh, they oh, were definitely we're just pranking you. Sorry, you caught us. Whoops. Whoops. You guys know. You guys all know okay. what a snipe hunt is, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> snipe hunting was I a big about thing it on, TV, on uh, Cheers. 
Oh, okay. So snipe hunting was a big prank that all the Boy Scouts pulled, usually on the new scout. Uh, I got I got pulled on me when I was a new scout. I went looking for we this magical bird uh, next weekend, Marky. If you want, do you not know what snipe hunting is, Marky? You never been snipe afraid. hunting? I was afraid to say <laughs> that I, so, I've never heard of it. So depending on where you are, a, a snipe. <laughs> A snipe is always kind of described as a small flightless bird with a long beak. Think like a kiwi mixed with a sandpiper. Kind of like a roadrunner also. Yeah, kind of like a roadrunner, right? Like it's one of these birds. Um, and they're really fast, and you'll only catch them out of the glimpse of your eye. But if you're, And there's, there's always rules for how to sneak up and catch them. And you basically yep. tell the first person, you know, the, the person on the first camping trip or the new scout or whoever you're getting about the snipe, and then you send them off to... you. You build it up, you know, oh, you know, no one can catch one, but if anybody can catch one, you can. However you need to, you build them up and then you send them off. Right. And then they're gone for hours. And then they come back and they let you know that they haven't been able to find a snipe. And at that point, most of you who have convinced them to go look for one have forgotten that you convinced them to go look for one. So when they come back and tell you about it, there's a barrel of laughs. That's that's a snipe hunt. Essentially, okay. So, so it's, or like you a, be, it's, or it's you like when you take the forest with your friend and you tell them this. Yeah, the the marine version is the, the light bulb repair kit. I was gonna say the headlight fluid. That's yeah, headlight fluid. fluid. That's, yeah. Hey, go down the motor pool <laughs> and give me the whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's that. Give me the keys to the Humvee. Muffler it's bearings, that, but minus the Muffler other bearings. dude at the other end of the thing telling you you're a dumbass. <laughs> Because that's what happens in those versions is you get down there and you ask for the thing and the other dude just laughs at you. Yeah. Go so. ask the first sergeant where uh, where the ID 10T form is. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, the the <laughs> U-bolt or, or you got to go get the U-bolt straightener. The U-bolt straightener. Yep. The Saturn real- plate connector. I didn't realize how politically charged that cartoon was. I just thought it was funny because it had to do with snipes. And then I read everything and I'm like, never mind. Moving on to a different so, picture. So I got I, I got a spooky one for in the forest. So a okay. few years, yeah, yeah. real quick, a few years back, uh, three buddies of mine from high school, we all went camping. It was just like a guy's trip. And we're at a campground and we're up uh, just south of Mammoth. And it's like freezing cold out. Oh, allegedly trip. Allegedly. So, um, so earlier, the first spooky thing earlier in the day was, uh, you know, they got like the docents that like run the, the, um, campgrounds and all that people that stay up there for like, uh, the winter Yeah, is, uh, we, we asked her what was up with the poop footprints on the ceiling and the, uh, the, the restroom everybody was using. And she was kind of freaked out about that too. So later that night, you know, we're all drinking, we're all hanging out. Two of the guys go go to bed, and uh, before they went to bed, our one buddy he'd gone to uh, Bass Pros. He likes to hunt and do all that fun stuff, so he bought a turkey call. So all afternoon, he's what's a turkey call? You know, we were joking. You know, some weird things gonna show up in the middle of the night looking for that turkey. <laughs> Well, two of the guys go to sleep. Me and the other guy were still up talking. And we're campfires going. We're we're sitting around the campfire, like next to each other, looking at the fire while we're talking. And moment of silence comes. You know, it's cold out. Whoa! Nice cock. <laughs> <laughs> now that happened in our youth, 
And uh, <laughs> wow. So, so we're. I sitting just, there. I just have to point out for your story, everybody poops, including ghosts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the ceiling. So, so we're sitting there, and you know, there's like a pause in conversation, and all of a sudden, I hear, "Holy fuck, Chuck, turn around!" Well, in between us was a coyote, hmm. like about how far you and I are apart, Marky. Coyote's head right next to my shoulder. Damn. That that's my spooky story for the forest. And when I turned around and went, what the fuck? The coyote didn't run. It just kind of looked at me. You know, I, like, have a, yeah, I have a I have a story kind of like that. <laughs> huh? You're a big turkey. Yeah. You're, that's I mean, a funny looking turkey. <laughs> just slowly sauntered away. I was like, are you, you fucking kidding me? Like, he literally walked up in between us. He's the coyote's just like coyotes fucking ripoff. What a ripoff. Rip I mean, like, you're, you're fat and juicy, but you ain't no turkey. I had uh I was camping one time up on uh Palomar Mountain and we were out there and I woke up I don't remember what what exactly woke me up, but it sounded like there was like a bunch of people going through our stuff, like our like cooking stuff out on the table, you know? And uh I'm like, what the fuck is that noise? Which was weird because there's like other people in the campsite, but like nobody directly next to us. But like a bunch of people had dogs and stuff. So I'm like, this is like strange. Like, you know, what the fuck's going on? So I peeked my head out of the tent and it's pitch black out there, you know, camping, dark, dark time and stuff. And uh, eventually my eyes start to focus enough and I see all these little black blobs like moving about. And it turns out it's a whole fucking herd of raccoons. And so I look at him and I'm like, oh, shit, they figured out how to open our like our tubs and stuff and get in there. That's why it sounded like people were going through because they had figured out how to like open the lids. So that's probably what I had heard is the lids popping. And uh, they got them so thumbs. Looked, yeah, they got them thumbs. And so so I looked at him. I was like, hey, fucker. <laughs> like, I literally called them fuckers. <laughs> And they all turned around and looked at me. All, all at the same time. All at the same time. It was fucking synchronized. And that's when you realize that even though you're bigger than each of them individually, there's a there's whole bunch of them. 15 of them, and you are <laughs> fucked. <Yeah. laughs> they all, and they all looked at me, and I was like, yeah, you. And then they all just kind of went back to what they were doing. And Proceeded I was like, <laughs> to dig through your shit. <laughs> and I was like, they don't even care. Like, they legit, because they know that I'm here looking at them and that I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> because it's, it's the guard player versus the knight. Yeah, the, the, exactly. The knights, what the guard understands. Yeah, the guard <laughs> understand there's enough of us and we can shoot you to death. And the knight player's like, that's not worth the objective points. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> So my my next reaction was, oh, I know the camp, you know, one the, the empty spot and then the next spot over has a dog. And so I'm like, oh, here we go. And I got the neighbor's dog going and that got the next dog going. And then they all just kind of like, oh, man, and just slowly walked away, <laughs> like, <laughs> like not even in a hurry. Sauntered they were just, off. They were just slowly. like, oh. That's disappointing. We'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> like, like they didn't care. That's they so good. didn't care. Like, they know that we're in their element. It's like, it's like how sharks, like if you go in the ocean, like you are 100% at the victim of yeah, a shark. Fuck the ocean. 100%. That is your fault. <laughs>
All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Loris Obscurus. Our next jaunt into the paranormal and spooky will take us into the Appalachian Mountains. Have a freaky forest or jungle story you want to share with the podcast or an idea for an Ordo Obscurus report? Reach out to us by email at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. Or join our community on Discord. Uh, not only can you talk about lore, the hobby, tactics, Warhammer 40k, but you can also get involved with other topics like Age of Sigmar, Magic the Gathering, role-playing games, video games, and much more. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or find us at www.underthehiveofmadness.com. Help the podcast grow by liking and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. You can also support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. All Patreon members get access to video podcasts with minimal editing. So you can see our beautiful faces and hear all of my amazing blunders. All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly painting contest. Plus we have perks at higher levels. So we really encourage you to head on over and check that out. Frank's Ruck-A-Truck, the roaming feast that brings flavor to these post-apocalyptic streets. Always looking to unlock bold new tastes? You can finally rejoice with Frank's new seared rat chimichurri fries. And while you're munching down, you can pick over his exclusive collection of hand cannons. Just in case you need one or two while you eat. Mm. Overgrown mutant rats may not be the only unwholesome creature roaming this treacherous domain. Stay alert. Keep your blades at the ready. We are the defiant denizens of the Rebel Voxwave. 665.66UHMRChemRat Radio. Reminding all of you chemrats, hive mice, and some ghoulies to keep those dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for a dose of the same ratty-ass attitude. In the depths of the gloom, their presence concealed, await four-armed emperors, their horror unrevealed. Their tails like daggers, their claws which bite like ice. Shield those of innocence, or pay their dreadful price. Motherfucker. Motherfucker.